0: Today's reading is from Colossians, chapter 1, verses 11 through 20. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power, and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience, while joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins." He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: And thanks absolutely be to God. Will you join me in giving God praise and thanks this morning, Ebenezer Church? Come on. 9.45 at Ebenezer Church. is my favorite time of Sunday. Don't tell the other two services. (laughs) It's you. It's you I choose. (laughs) Amen. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure and a blessing to be uh, back in worship with you all preaching. Uh, This Sunday particularly is a special Sunday for me uh, because this is a Sunday where I typically stop, I pause, and I do some introspection. And here's why. But before I do that, so today in the church calendar, the Christian church calendar year, uh, this is the end of the year. This is the end of the year. And so it's marked as Christ the King Sunday. And this Sunday typically seeks to reflect on Christ as our king, the king of our lives, the king of our world. It's the moment where we pause before the Sunday of Advent as we prepare to look forward to receiving Christ the king into our hearts. So churches around the world, Christians around the world just take a pause just to uh, to, to look at their life, their ministries, uh, the messages that they've heard, scriptures that they've read throughout the entire year to see and to prepare their hearts for the coming Christ. Well, your old Pastor Donovan uses this Sunday for slightly the same reason. So this particular Sunday, I'll probably do this with my family uh, later on, but I use this Sunday as a time to take a pause as well. But only I do a self-inventory and a self-check. I take survey on myself and I ask myself a series of questions on this particular Sunday, this Christ the King Sunday, in hopes to be sure that I'm making Christ the King of my own heart and of my own life. I ask the question, am I more like Christ than I was a year ago? Am I more like Christ than I was a year ago? Am I more like Christ than I was a month ago? Am I more like Christ right now than I was earlier this week? I take the time to reflect on my life of Christ and how it lines up with my relationships, including my relationships, relationships with my wife, my relationship. <laughs> just one, (laughs) my relationship, amen. (laughs) I felt a clap coming on. My my relationship with my wife, my relationship with my uh, children, uh, my friends, my family, the people who I work with, and the people who God has placed in my care. I I also ask the question, have I made prayerful and thoughtful decisions this year? I asked, have I shared the good news? And I asked, have I borne good spiritual fruit from from Advent last year? You see, the idea for me is to examine and to survey the areas of my life to see if Christ is truly shown in every part of my life. You see, the idea here, and you'll hear me say this a lot, is for when people see me coming, whether I'm walking towards them or whether I'm getting ready to meet with them or whether or not I'm getting ready to to counsel or to spend some time in fellowship with them, is that I don't want you to see Pastor Donovan coming or Donovan coming. But it's almost as if the creator or the designer of some sort is bringing down the transparency so that all you see is Jesus Christ. The love, the hope, the charity, the mercy of Jesus Christ on and in and through me. See, that's the goal for me. And so that's why I stop and I pause and I ask myself these questions because it's my hope that when people see me coming, that I look like Christ. I got to admit that I'm not there yet, and it takes a little bit of work. It takes some preparation, especially as we're preparing for this Advent season, to really see if I'm holding Christ as the king of my heart. And allowing the kingship of Christ on my heart and in my life to flow through me as I make decisions and be in relationship with others and bear that good spiritual fruit. So I ask those questions each year. I had a moment this week I got to share with you. I was on social media. Um, You probably say, Donovan, Pastor Donovan is always on social media. Every time he preaches, he talks about Facebook. Yes, I enjoy a good social media from time to time. (laughs) <laughs> the comment section. <laughs> but I ask myself, I, I, I do. Well, I was on social media this week, uh, and a friend of mine had, had made a post, and I could tell that he had made like this little thing, like maybe he was having this small thought, and he made it into this big, dramatic, theological, philosophical idea. And so I, I go to my wife and I say, hey, honey, How is it that people, when they're on social media, they make these little small little thoughts into big philosophical ideas? And then she convicted me. and She said, well, Donovan, sometimes God uses small things to to speak big things or about bigger things in the world. Sometimes you could get and resonate with something that's more deeper from something that's small. So let those people have their thoughts and ideas. And then I began to think, I wonder, do I do that? Or do you know people like that? Perhaps you've met a person that has small ideas and they make everything into a big idea. Everything is just deep to them. Have you met those people? I'm that person. (laughs) I'm that person. I make everything deep. And actually, I've I've experienced that this week. So as I was preparing for this week, uh, I was in our master bedroom. I was doing some cleaning up. That's the way I prepare sermons. Don't judge me. Uh, it's the way I prepare sermon. So I'm plugging in a space heater in our master bedroom, and I have a thought. Every home that we've ever lived in, whether that's a townhome or a single-family home, we've always had issues with heat or air reaching the master bedroom. That was the smaller thought. And then I had the deeper thought right after that, almost as if the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. And it was that I wonder if Christ is going to every aspect of my life, and missing the master bedroom. I wonder, are there places in my life where I've blocked Christ out of, where I've not allowed Christ to go or to do work? I wonder, is it some spaces in my life where the Holy Spirit is not flowing to, like the air or heat sometimes in our master bedroom? It's true, every winter, it's always cold in our master bedroom, and every summer, it's always the hottest. And so I ask myself, because it's uncomfortable, And it's uncomfortable. It it frustrates us. What do we need to do to fix this problem? What do I need to pay more attention to or who do I need to call to make sure that I correct this issue that we're having with the flow of air reaching to the place where it needs to go? And so Pastor Donovan, being the deep person, asks the same question as it relates to our spiritual lives. Are there areas or places in my life that I have not allowed, allowed Christ to go Do I feel strange about the places where Christ is not in my life? Does it feel normal? Do I feel settled? Do I feel at peace with where I am right now? Do I feel broken or is something just plain wrong? Well, I'm convinced today that this is the space in which uh, Paul invites us to today with our text. And he invites for us to consider and to inventory the ways in which Christ is truly the king in our lives and in our world, but more personally within our hearts as well. He calls us to a deeper level of devotion, I think, and calls for us to do a inventory of the places where we need God the most. Because there is a world that is seeking to distort Christ and faith in the lives of these people. So he writes. He writes to a community in Colossae. This is a church full of this is a, a church that's named the church, but it's a collection of micro churches. See what I did there? (laughs) <laughs> it's a collection of microchurches or neighborhood churches that um, were, were planted by Epaphras, uh, Paul's co-worker. And Epiphras goes and visits Paul while he's in prison, and he uh, makes him aware of some distortion that's taking place within the hearts of their community. You see, he reminds Paul that the communities there are being torn, are being torn between two different ideas— there's this uh, Judaizing idea that the, that Jews um, are kind of insecting communities with this ritualistic uh, way of life or this uh, ritualistic way of living. That there are people who are telling them, in order to be a good person of faith, you have to observe you have to observe um, the law strictly. That you have to go back to some of those practices practices and those rites that you first learned when you came to faith. And then there are the people on the other side. These are the people who are influencing the churches in Colossae. The other people who are sharing this deep theological, philosophical uh, idea about who Christ is in the world and the purpose for which he came. And the church is struggling with these two ideas. They are held in between the tensions of a strict observance to the law. And there's a loose, deep, though, philosophical Uh, idea that's being put into the church. So they're conflicted and there's confusion happening. There's distortion of the message of Christ that's taking place. So he writes Paul and Paul writes back to them, but he writes back with encouragement and he writes back to encourage them and to tell them that I hope good things for you as you grow in your faith. But there were four things that I found absolutely amazing is that he prayed that that they would grow in four areas. Number one, that they would bear good spiritual fruit in doing good work, that they would grow in the knowledge of God, that they will be strengthened with all of God's power through the Holy Spirit, and that they would have endurance and patience. He prays these four things for them as they're held in between the tensions of these two ideas. These groups, these people who are seeking to cause distortion within their churches, within their mind. They knew that Paul knew that they were up against strong Judaizers and these Gnostics who were seeking to tear apart and destroy the church. You see, they were being lured into a different kingdom. On the surface end, it was people who were seeking to distort messages about Christ and about who God is, causing division in their theology and their thinking about who God is and what God seeks to do in our lives. But then on the deeper end of that, the thing that has more depth is that they were really causing division between the people and God, causing division, tearing apart what we truly believe about ourselves and God, because Christ came to unite us. But these people were seeking to cause distance between our thinking and where our hearts were. And Paul understood that this would eventually cause in our in the depths of ourselves some sort of separation, too. And this was completely against God's purpose and will and intent for coming to this world to unite humanity and God. So he writes and he tells them, I want you to be encouraged that you have good spiritual fruit, that you grow in the knowledge of God, that you are strengthened with all power, and that you have endurance and patience because what you're up against is hard and it's causing division in your mind, but it's also causing division in your church and in your heart. On a side, there will be things that seek to divide us from the faith that we once came to. Or the God that we know. There are things in our lives and in our heart that causes separation between us and God. So we ask the question, is God going every place that we need for God to go in our lives and in our world? This is what I think Paul was getting at here as he was seeking to correct the theology, but also the hearts of the people that were being, dis- that were uh, being confused and distorted. As they were living this balanced life of ceremonial rites and secret knowledge and reliance on human wisdom. Paul wrote to them in encouragement and almost with this bold and powerful statement, gives this Christological review of who Christ is in the world. And he says, oh, stand corrected. There is no secret knowledge or wisdom that theologians or philosophers can offer you that will save you and give you power in this world and that can restore you and renew you. Be clear about that, but also know that strict observance doesn't get you there either. He said it's only Christ who is able to do this work. This is, of course, the whole purpose for which God came to this world. So he writes to them. and He tells them he gives you Jesus's resume. He says this, he said he is the invisible image of God. He says that the image, he says the words that Christ almost every time Jesus preaches, when you see me, you have seen the father. When you spend time with me, you have in turn spent time with the father. He says this in John 15, remain in me, abide in me. Stay connected to me and you will remain connected and you will abide with the father. When you have seen Jesus, when you have spent time with Jesus, you in turn have spent time with God, the father in heaven. He is the image of the invisible God, the person who God sent to this world to be the representative of God, the representative of God's love, God's character, God's forgiveness, God's divinity and God's power. That empowers us to be raised to new life, lead new lives and live into this new kingdom citizenship that we were called to. He goes on to say that he's the firstborn of all creation, that he's not some sort of copy and paste, but he sought to restore humanity back to its original self. That's the purpose for which God sent Jesus to this world. He was almost like the second Adam, right? The the man who was born in the beginning of the world. But then after the fall and after many attempts for God to restore humanity, then came Jesus and he restored humanity and called us to a new type of life. He is the firstborn of all new creation from the moment where he died and beyond. That's the moment where we live into this new creationhood. He also goes on to say that he is redeemer, that he's creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Oh, this is the part that gets my juices flowing. (laughs) This is the part that gets my juices flowing. He says that he defies the laws of biology, He defies the laws of biology by healing people and raising people from the dead and welcoming and bringing people to new life. That's Jesus. That's the power for which Jesus has in our world. He even defies the laws of physics when he walks on water. That guy, that's the purpose. That's the that's the person God sent to this world. And then after his death, God made Jesus the head of the church for which we do all of our mission. Angel tree. The purpose for which we seek to bring love and hope and justice to this world, it all starts with Jesus. The book ends with Jesus. He is the end all and be all from creation, from redemption and to sustaining this world. Jesus. Everything created. Who is it? You better preach Ebenezer 9:45. He's the end-all, be-all, the head of the church. He's the healer of our souls and of our world. When people say that our world needs to be redeemed and changed, it is Jesus who they're talking about. That's, for, that's who got sent to this world, and he's the ultimate peacemaker. The ultimate peacemaker. He says, stand corrected. Philosophy couldn't do it. This new theology couldn't do it. This loose theology couldn't do it. This, this strict observance of the law could, couldn't do it. It won't do it. In fact, it's not doing it, <laughs> but it's Jesus. Do that inventory. Is he recreating, redeeming, and sustaining you? Is he the firstborn of all creation? Is he the head of your church, the head of your life? Is he the king that sits on the throne seat of your heart? Is he creating peace in you and forgiveness? Is he healing your soul and therefore healing the world? It is Jesus. So now what? I think that there are Four parts that Paul would probably say. Paul doesn't say this, but I'm, I'm going to take a stab at it. That if Paul had to, to rewrite this and tell us to focus on four areas in our lives, and if Jesus had to accompany him, I think there would be four areas that God would say, hey, I want you to inventory that. I, I, I want to I do some, 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 some inventory on my fingerprint and my presence there in your life. I'll do you one better. I want to see if the air is getting to the right places. I want to see if we're allowing it to go, the work to go and do what it needs to do and be where it needs to be. I want to see that work. Write this down, Ebenezer. There are four ways. If you can't write it down or if you're joining us online, write it, bring it up in your digital notes. You can write it there or just listen intently. (laughs) Number one, our hearts, our hearts having ourselves shaped and molded by God, having ourselves open to what God seeks to do in our hearts. For it was the prophets who prayed the prayer of renewing a right spirit in me and giving me a different type of heart in exchange for my current heart. Give me a heart of flesh so that you could do with it what you want. Take away this heart of stone. Give me something new that has your name all over it, and a heart that you could work with and do some stuff in. Number two, our relationships. Our relationships. God seeks to restore our relationships. That's where the air seeks to go. If we open up and let it. Our relationships, us being in service to other, us seeking to outdo one another in love. You see, because everything that we do is a reflection of the king that sits on our heart. And the work that Christ does in it and the work we're able to do because of Christ ruling our lives and our hearts. Because there are things in our lives in which God seeks to do. Things that I believe that are even beyond our comprehension. But with a little bit of faith and willing to step out of our comfort zone, Christ can lead us to those spaces when God has our hearts and our relationships. And our relationships when we're in service to one another, outdoing each other with love. On our staff here at Ebenezer, and we have a great staff, <laughs> a phenomenal staff here at Ebenezer. We have, we've adopted this saying as of maybe September or October that says, I'm going to make you look good. Say that with me. I'm going to make you look good. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to make you look good. We say this because on the surface, or at least the small part of that, we're seeking to say, I'm going to help you to get a project done. I'm going to help you see something through. I'm going to make your department look good. But the deeper part of that, the part that has more depth is saying, I'm going to make sure that I edify you because Jesus says that it benefits us to edify the church, to build one another up and to speak the truth and love to one another. That's what we truly mean on the deeper part of saying, I'm going to make you look good. I want you to grow in the image of God. I want you to constantly have good spiritual fruit. I want you to go grow in your relationship with the one who creates, the one who is redeeming you and the one who is constantly sustaining you. I'm going to make you look good. That's what that life, that new life, that citizen, that new citizenship life looks like when Christ is the king of our hearts. And we're living into this new identity as citizens in his kingdom. And then the third thing. The third thing. Our thinking. Letting Christ take captive of every thought in our hearts and in our minds, in our minds first. That's not edifying. And that we constantly seek to grow and have our minds transformed and renewed and open to what's possible when we walk with Christ and Christ is the king on our hearts. It's learning a new way or learning more about the new way in life that we're called to live and getting comfortable in it. I'm not going to lie. It's hard work, but it's work that we're called to. I want to share another story. Uh, this week I was in a meeting uh, and um, I, I had permission to tell the story. Michael Johnson, um, who is an incredible leader here at our church, key volunteer. Uh, we sat in a meeting today and he shared this story. Uh, he's a pilot. So this is for my pilots in the house tonight. Amen. <laughs> so so he's, a, he's a pilot and he shared this uh, f- phenomenal um, analogy of what it means to go from one life to the next. He said whenever you're getting out of one airplane and into the next, you have to almost um, unpack all the the, the rules, the natures, the buttons, the whole identity of one airplane and get into the next and take on the identity and the feel and the knowledge of another airplane. And now that that sounds simple. But the deeper part of that is that it is incredibly powerful. Because imagine the dysphoria that you feel going from one airplane to the next. You could be unsuccessful. But it is almost forgetting one airplane and taking on and being fully present with the next. I think this is what Christ, what Paul is encouraging us to do. Not fly airplanes, (laughs) but to drop one way of life, like the one that the Judaizers sought to instill. And then this new philosophy and like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Take on this new life in Christ. This new life that we're called to and constantly do that inventory to see if today, right now, if you're more like Christ than you were a year ago. Grow, develop good spiritual fruit. And then the last one, growth, developing what it needs to look more like Christ, to walk more like Christ. So that when people see you too coming, that your transparency is brought all the way down and they no longer see you, but something more loving more forgiving. So we ask these questions, and I invite you to, take these, to do this inventory too as we take pause and ask God, what do you want me to do about my gifts? What do you want me to do about this matter of unforgiveness in my life? What do you want me to do about this particular conflict, God? How do you want me to show up to work? How do you want me to show up in my marriage? Are you calling me to a new type of parenthood? Are you calling me to a different level of being a better spouse or friend? I wonder what that would look like as new citizens of this kingdom. Where our heart is, where our treasures are, there our heart is also. Where our devotion is, is where our heart is also. I think, again, there are powerful things that God seeks to do in our lives. And by doing this inventory as we prepare for Advent, I pray that you ask these questions so that you let Christ go everywhere in your life. And that Christ is not stopped at the master bedroom. Amen.